0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Summit Church Podcast. We want to connect you to a relationship with God and all that he has in store for you. We hope this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live out your best days now. Enjoy the message. I'm really excited to be here with you today. How many of you have ever been to a wedding or a party and you've heard the song, Shake It Off? Huh? How many of you? Let's listen to a couple beats just to refresh Now that you're all dancing this morning, hopefully I woke you up just a little bit, right? (laughs) Like this song, I want to challenge you today that there are some things that we have to shake off in order to achieve all that God has for us, to fulfill our destiny and to accomplish what he wants for our lives. In Acts 28, Paul was on the island of Malta, and he was helping some people build a fire, and he was putting wood on the fire. And a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And in verse 5, it says, But Paul shook the snake off in the fire and suffered no ill effects. Satan is often referred to as a serpent or a snake. And in the natural, when a snake bites you, what do you do? You call 911. You try to seek emergency help as fast as possible. They tell you to keep your the bite lower than your heart. Why? Because the venom starts to flow through you as soon as that snake bites you. And you've got to get to the hospital to get the anti-venom, right? Because if you don't get the anti-venom, you're going to die or you're going to start suffering uh organ damage or even neurological damage. So you've gotta get the uh, venom in you. And the same is true in the spirit. Satan is the father of all lies and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He prowls around looking for someone who he can devour. He wants to attack you, he wants to distract you, and he wants to uh, bite you with his venom of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of of unforgiveness, of anger because he doesn't want you to live in God's promises, which is joy and peace and good things. Satan wants you to question God. Has God really said? Is God really good? Well, why did this happen if God loves me? I heard Sandy Ross say this and I thought it was really powerful. She said the question is not why. We know why, because Satan comes to steal to kill, and destroy. Instead, the question that we should be asking is, Lord, where do you want me to go from here? And what do you want me to do now? And I thought that was so powerful because Satan wants to wear us down with his lies and his venom. He wants to get us off course, and we have to take quick action when he comes, recognize the attack, and shake it off quickly so it has no hold on our life. Even Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, that if they enter towns that did not receive them, to keep going and sharing the message of Jesus. He told them to shake the dust off their feet and move on. He didn't want the disciples to dwell on the rejection they had experienced. Instead, he wanted them to stay focused, to keep sharing what God had done in their lives, and to continue to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we want to achieve all that God has for us, we're going to need to shake some things off so we can have his promises. So today I want to look at four. There are many. There's no way I can cover all the venoms of the enemy in this short time. But we're going to look at four. And the first one is the venom of fear. Satan uses fear to gain access to our lives. Members of a psychology class asked 500 people what they were afraid of. They came up with 7,000 fears (laughs) with an average of 14 fears per person. That's a lot of fear. (laughs) And Dad spoke on the giant of fear a few weeks ago. We all feel fear, but it's what we do with it that makes a difference. Fear paralyzes us. It keeps us from reaching our potential. It causes us to hide. In Genesis 3.10, Adam responds to God in the garden. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Adam feared punishment from God because he sinned, and that's true today. How many of you know that sometimes if you're not following God or you're not walking with him, we tend to hide? We tend to avoid everything that has to do with God, so we stop coming to church, we stop going to our small groups, we disconnect, when in reality, God is the only one who can really help us and solve our problems. Fear can cause us to wear masks in our relationships because we think, well, gosh, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't like me. So we live in fear, and we try to pretend to be somebody we're not. Fear affects not only you, but everyone else around you. Ever seen a parent that ruins their child's life because of their own fears? Or a boss who is afraid he might lose his job if someone looks better than him so he doesn't let his employees reach their full potential? Fear creates what it fears. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. The fear of becoming like your parents causes you to focus on their faults and causes you to become just like them. Fear of illness makes you feel bad all the time and every little symptom you get, you worry it's the end. Fear of losing a spouse can cause you to act in such a way that drives them further from you. Fear leads to worry and anxiety and worry and anxiety are from the pit of hell. When we worry, we are acting like God is not in control and he doesn't care about you. You are saying, I'm better. I'm just going to take matters into my own hand, hands. In Psalms fifty-five, twenty-two, it says, cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. God wants us to let go of all of our worries and anxieties and put them on him. He doesn't want us weighed down. How many of you know that most of the things we worry about and anxious are about don't even happen anyway? How many of you can think of things that you were worried about last year that never happened? I think we all could, right? In Matthew 6, 25 through 27, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? See, God wants us to trust Him. No amount of worry, fear, or anxiety will solve any problem. It's a waste of our time, our energy, our thoughts, and our emotions. So what is the anti-venom to fear? It's confidence and faith in God. In Psalms 56.3, it says, when I am afraid, I will put my confidence in God. Notice it doesn't say a formula, a feeling. It says confidence in God. There is a promise in the Bible for every kind of fear. And when you know and trust the promises of God, it activates your faith. Fear starts to diminish and faith explodes. Nothing is more powerful than your faith. Your faith activates God's power. We are told in Ephesians 6.16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the inner men. Notice, we have to do something. It requires action. We have a choice when fear comes knocking at our door. Are we going to believe the lies of the enemy? Are we going to believe what God says in his report and his promises? It's going to require us to spend time in his word, in prayer, to confess the word out loud over fear daily in spite of what we see, and to remove our minds. It means that sometimes we're going to have to do it afraid. And believe that God loves us more than anything. And if He loves us, we have nothing to fear. In 1 John 4:18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. When it comes to fear, we must drive it out and we must take it and action towards it. David approached Goliath. When God says, Fear not, that is what He's asking us to do. He is asking us to move from faith fear-based living to faith-based living, and it involves a step of faith. So that means if you get a diagnosis, or you get a bad report on your job, or you have a bad report in your family, that means your response is, you know what? I am not gonna fear, and you get a promise of God, and you begin to quote it, and you begin to stand on it, and you begin to just speak it out, even though in the natural you don't see it yet. That's what it means. It means we magnify God and sometimes we just have to do it afraid. The next venom, anger. Ephesians four twenty-six through 27 and then 29 and 32. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sin go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a, foot, devil a foothold. And in the Amplified, it says, give no opportunity to him. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to its needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, Just as in Christ, God forgave you. We all know what anger is, and we've all felt it, right? How many of you know when someone cuts in front of you in the traffic line, you get angry? Or how many of you know you're in a hurry at HEB, and you've got your 10 items, and the line says, 10 items or less, and the lady in front of you, or the man, has 40? And you're like, I need to go. (laughs) Or what about... When your kids start fighting, this is a trigger for me, <laughs> I start getting angry. Or electronics really get me angry and frustrated because I am not very technological. And I just want to bang the dumb computer on, the sh- on my desk. <laughs> that is not the appropriate response. Or what about when your flight gets canceled? Christmas, Southwest Airlines. <laughs> or your boss does something to make you mad. Or your husband says something that makes you upset. Or, or you get angry. You can even get angry by worrying and brooding about all your problems. See, when you get angry, I don't know about you, or frustrated, you, you start having, like, your heart starts racing, right? Your adrenaline is pumping. You, your stress hormones are going up. To feel anger is not a sin. It's what you do with it that becomes sin. Jesus said, be angry. And sin not. See, when our anger gets out of control and we act on what we feel, it can turn destructive. Prolonged anger can weaken the immune system and destroy neurons in the brain. It can lead to problems at work, in your personal relationships, and in the overall quality of your life. Parents who do not learn how to manage their anger wound their children. And their children grow up and repeat the same patterns. Some people lose their job because of anger. Some have lost friends. Just this past January, the University of Texas fired their men's basketball coach after being arrested for domestic, domestic violence. He had earned $5 million a year plus perks, All gone because of his anger. In my own son's soccer team, he's nine years old. This was last year. So a kid got upset at another kid and punched him on the field. And then the parents saw that, and they got mad, and they came out punching on the field. This is nine years old, okay? Needless to say, the kids were suspended from the soccer team. (laughs) Moses could not enter the promised land because of his anger. We must take responsibility for our anger. It's up to us. We all get angry, and people are going to offend us. That's a fact. But living with anger and living with offense is a choice. If we hold on to anger and we nurture the offense and rehearse it in our mind over and over, it says we are giving the devil a foothold. In the Greek, that means a place or a room in our heart. We are saying, okay, Satan, come on. I give you permission. Go ahead. You can have my family. You can have my job. You can have my finances. You can bring division. And that's scary to me. I don't know about you, but that's scary to me. And, you know, Satan loves that because he wants to divide us. Because when we're divided, we're weak. And when we're united, nothing is impossible and God commands a blessing. So, of course, he would want to do that. So, the anti-venom to anger is to deal with it right away. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So, that means the same day someone offends you, upsets you, hurts your feelings, you forgive, you apologize, and you begin to work on healing. Can you imagine what it would be like if we all did that every day? It also says that we're not led to to let anything bad come out of our mouth. That means we don't name call. We don't raise our voice. We don't write in capital letters on our text messages, okay? (laughs) Instead, we stop, we pause, we take a breath when we feel anger coming on. In 2 Corinthians, it instructs us to take every thought captive into the complete obedience of Jesus Christ. So we choose what we think and what we dwell on. So as soon as you feel that anger and those emotions and that frustration start to bubble up, you say no to those thoughts and feelings and you pray that God will help you. You say, God, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling angry right now. Please help me. Go ahead and tell God. He already knows anyway, right? You know, this is making me mad. This is making stuff. But I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help me. I ask that you strengthen me. I know you don't want me to be angry. I don't want to be angry. So I'm asking you to help me and that you would take care of this situation and that you would help me to control myself, and I'm going to trust you, right? And you may even have to pray for that person. I know, that does not sound fun. It says we are to pray for those who persecute us. And how many of you know it's pretty hard to stay mad at somebody if you have to pray for them? It really is. And it ends in Ephesians by saying, be kind to one another, compassionate, and forgiving. The sooner you deal with it and get the antivenom in you, the faster you can heal and keep moving towards your destiny. The next is the venom of the past. The enemy loves to keep us stuck in our past. The first way we get stuck in our past is by memorializing all the great things that we have done and that have happened to us. We fall in love with all the things, our successes, our awards, our trophies, all the things that we've accomplished. Those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we tend to create a shrine out of it, and we can't move forward because we keep looking at all of our successes. When your trophy room of yesterday, because the best room you've ever had, that's a tragedy. And while the success and accomplishment are good and is a blessing from God, God has more for you. He wants you to move on. He has new things. It says in Isaiah forty three nineteen, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not receive it? I will make a way in the wilderness for you and rivers in the desert. So let's be open to God. what God wants us to do now. And the second way we get stuck in the past is we can't move forward because we keep dwelling on all the things we did wrong, the mistakes we've made, the failures, the bad things that have happened to us or someone did to us, and we constantly think about it. Your past doesn't have the right or potential to negatively impact your life unless you give it permission to. Your past is not powerful on its own, you make it powerful. You have a choice. God forgives all of our sins and remembers them no more. Make a choice. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity anymore. I'm not going to rehearse the things I, I did in the past, what has been done to me wrong. I will not make excuses anymore of why I can't get well. Today I decide to silence the enemy. I say no more. I'm going to choose to reverse it and turn it around. Do you know that it only takes one single grain of sand to get inside an oyster shell to aggravate it. And that oyster releases a chemical around the piece of negativity or that sand, and that's where the valuable pearl comes from. Something bad turned into something good. We've all had bad experiences in our past. We've all made mistakes. But if we can just make up our mind that we're gonna take that piece of sand and turn it into something valuable, how many more people could be helped? How many people could be encouraged and lifted up? Joseph had a bad past. He was kidnapped, sold as a slave, falsely imprisoned. But in Genesis fifty twenty, he says, As for you, you, mean, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph knew at the end of this season of hardship, God had the ability to reverse all the negative past in his life and summarize it with something good. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you had a promising career and you made a mistake and you lost your job. But if you allow him, God can reverse the negative past and turn it into a blessing. In Romans 8.20 says, And now we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you remember Elizabeth Smart? Do you remember her? I'm going to put a picture up of her. Elizabeth was kidnapped. She was raped, abused, and held captive for nine months at the age of 14. Before she was rescued by police. In her book, My Story... She writes about something her mom told her shortly after she was rescued. This is what her mom said. It's very powerful. Elizabeth, what this man has done to you is terrible. There aren't any words that are strong enough to describe how wicked and evil he is. He has taken nine months of your life that you will never get back again. But the best punishment you could ever give him is to be happy, to move forward with your life, to do exactly what you want, because yes, this will probably go to trial and some kind of sentencing will be given to him and that wicked woman. But even if, it's, even if that's true, you may never feel like justice has been served or that true restitution has been made. But you don't need to worry about that. At the end of the day, God is our ultimate judge. He will make up to you every pain and every loss that you have suffered. And if it turns out that these wicked people are not punished here on earth, it doesn't matter. His punishments are just. You don't ever have to worry. You don't ever have to think about him again. You be happy, Elizabeth. Just be happy. If you go and feel sorry for yourself or if you dwell on what has happened, if you hold on to your pain that is allowing him to steal more of your life away, don't do it. Don't you let him. There is no way he deserves that. No one more second of your life. You keep every second for yourself. You keep them and be happy. God will take care of the rest. Wasn't that powerful? And her mother's words were so powerful and true. And Elizabeth took those to heart and she went on and you'll see a photo. She has three beautiful children of her own. She got married and she is an advocate for change related to child abduction, recovery programs, and national legislation. Like Elizabeth, refuse to rehearse the past and allow God to reverse it. Let God turn your setback into a comeback. Today, tis I to refuse the thoughts of the enemy that would remind you of your past and say, that is not me anymore. I'm leaving it behind. Today is a new day. God works all things for good according to those who are in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. I am free. And start moving to what God has for you now. Today, I'm making a choice. It says in Philippians 3:13 through14, "Forget what lies behind, straining towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me upward." Which brings me to the last venom which Elizabeth also had to do, and that's unforgiveness. Elizabeth had to forgive her captures. In an Instagram post, Smart shared insights to what forgiveness meant to her, and this is what she said. A question I'm always asked when I speak is, have you forgiven your captors? Yes, but when I say yes, I don't mean I think their actions are acceptable. For example, I would never be okay with rape, abuse, or kidnapping. But to me, forgiveness is another word for self-love, and perhaps the greatest form of self-love. And I forgive my captors because I love myself enough to want happiness, joy, and freedom. And holding on to the negativity, the pain, and suffering from my past doesn't allow me to embrace and live my life fully now. It didn't happen overnight, and my family and God were absolutely instrumental in coming to this place. But I believe everyone should have a chance of happiness, and I refuse to let mine pass me by. Hashtag never give up. Hashtag miracles happen. Hashtag forgiveness. Hashtag self-love. Hashtag working every day. Satan loves to use offense and wounds to keep us from our destiny. There are a lot of things that wound us in life. Maybe someone has lied to you. Maybe a promise was broken or your trust was betrayed. Something bad happened to you. You can even be wounded by being devalued, overlooked, and rejected, or by someone saying something mean that really cut into you and hurt you. But every time you rehearse, The wound or offense is called resentment. It means to cut again. You are cutting again and reopening that wound. You are perpetuating the pain. And worse, it doesn't hurt them, it only hurts you. Declare and decide today that you are not going to recut yourself. You are going to make a choice to forgive. The only way to let go of wounds and offense is to forgive. There is no other anecdote for hurt and pain. You can get all the therapy you want. You can read all the books you want. But the only way to get well and free is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Earlier we read in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. How often do you have to do it? Well, as often as it takes, Jesus said 70 times 70, or I like to say, as long as the memory causes you pain. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. And Jesus said when we do it, he will forgive us. And in Psalms 147.3, it says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So what do you need to shake off today? What venom do you need to get out of your life today? What's holding you back from your destiny and reaching your full potential? Hebrews 12, 11 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race which is marked before us, have you ever noticed that marathon runners, when they're running, they run as lightweight as possible. They don't want anything that adds any extra weight because they have to go so long. And the same is true in the spirit. The same is true with God. He wants us to run our race with as few distractions and as few limitations as God has for us. God has a great plan for you, but you have to decide to shake off the poisons of the enemy as soon as they come. It could be anger. It could be, like we talked about, forgiveness you need to do. It could be the past. It could be jealousy. It could be envy. It could be comparison. God wants you free today. Today is a new day. So I'm going to ask you to stand up As I don't know about you, but I don't want to live with the venom of the enemy anymore. I do not want to let him stealing one more day of my destiny or one more day of my purpose. I just will not do it. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, we talked about stepping out in faith. So maybe the Lord, as I've spoken, has shown you an area that you need to shake off. That maybe the enemy has bit you and the venom is in you. And today is a new day. He wants you well. He wants you free. He wants you to have everything that he wants you to have. And we talked about taking a step of faith. So I'm actually going to ask you to come forward because I want to pray for you. I'm asking you to come forward if there's something the Lord has shown you that you want to shake off. It could have been something I mentioned or something I didn't mention. But today is a new day and God wants you free. He he wants you free. So if that's you, I'm just gonna invite you to come up here and I just wanna pray for you briefly. This is not something scary, this is not something bad. Let me tell you, this is something I have to do daily. We have to ward off the attacks of the enemy all the time because it is not easy. Right? He's always trying to bring us down. He's always trying to attack us. But today is a new day, no more. So as you're coming, I'm just going to wait one more minute. There are still some more coming. I'm going to have you repeat the first part after me, and then I'm going to pray for you. So if you'll just repeat this. Say, in the name of Jesus, today I choose to shake off. Now just you yourself say what it is. today, keep repeating today, I forgive and then I want you to list if there's anyone you need to forgive. Okay, now repeat after me. I cut off any access that I have given to the enemy. The door is now closed. Satan You have no hold on me, no power over me, in the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands to heaven. Father, I thank you right now for these beautiful and precious people. We thank you that, Satan, you are under our feet. You are defeated in Jesus' name. You have no Access. Oppression, depression, torment, anxiety, panic attacks must go now in the name of Jesus. The lies of the enemy are silenced and cut off by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Today, we receive your joy. Thank you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We receive your hope that we will bubble up with hope that it will be coming forth out of us, that we will be strengthened and reinforced with your love today, that you would fill us with your love, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we have power. Thank you that we have a sound mind, that we are anointed by God, that you surround us with your peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding surrounds us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that, that you surround us with your love and with your presence. I thank you that your plans for us are good to give us a hope and a future. And today we decide, we want everything that you have for us, God, everything. We are running towards the goal to which you have called us for. We will not give up. We will stay focused. We will stay vigilant and alert in Jesus' name because we want everything that you have for us. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. Just thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. It's done. We thank you, Holy Spirit. It's a new day. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We want all of you. We want what you want for us now. Continue to show it to us. Continue to reveal it to us. We make a decision, God. We want all of you. We want all of you. We've let go today of everything that hold us back. We thank you, God. It is done. We thank you, God, for your healing power. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your Savior that you sent to die for us on the cross. We are just so thankful. Your name is so powerful. It is so great. Nothing is impossible for you. And I thank you, God, that everything is working for good, that those things that the enemy meant for evil, you are reversing it today. You are turning it around for good. And It is part of our testimony of your goodness, of your grace, and of your power in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.